Welcome to Fostering Solutions, a podcast that uplifts people and enterprises making positive impact in communities around the world. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Foster. My guest today is Marcy McIntyre. Um, I I knew her when she was Marcia Miller because we both went to the same high school in Guyana. So I've known her now for long, long than we want to remember, right? And don't you go putting a number to that. I know. Oh, no. Oh, no. Never. (laughs) (laughs) So, Marcia, tell the audience about yourself. Who is Marcia McIntyre? Who is Marcia McIntyre? So I see myself as, um, I'm going to say, a quiet soul with several attributes. Um, I'll start with my handle, the obvious attribute. Um, My name is Marcia McIntyre, as you said, Michelle. Mm -hmm. Um, You knew me from my maiden days and my maiden name was Miller. So um, Marcia Marcia Miller, now Marcia McIntyre. Um, I'm the wife of Mr. Walter McIntyre for um, almost 25 years now. I am also the mother of two children. We've got a um, a 22-year-old daughter now and a 19-year-old son. Um, I am also a professional in information technology. So I'm a IT professional. Mm -hmm. Um, I I, I could go on and on as to different attributes of, of this quiet soul, but you know, at the end of the day, Um, I would just say that um, I'm an individual who kind of navigates life with a quiet sense of of confidence and I hope that, um, you know, when I pass on that my legacy is one that um, folks will say they knew Marcia McIntyre, the person, the quiet soul, the, the person with quiet confidence who embrace life and it's all its challenges and um, you know who wanted to make a positive impact um, in this world. Awesome, awesome. So you mentioned being an IT professional. So how what kind of piqued your interest in in that career? Yeah, I um, was born and raised in Guyana, South America. Um, as a young lady, I uh, decided to embark on um, continuing education after high school. So I enrolled in the University of Guyana and our education system, um, I don't know how it is now, but at the time, many, many, many years ago, (laughs) you um, were asked to declare a major. Um, As an entrance criteria into the university, you had to say what it is you wanted to study. Um, I just knew at the time that I wanted to advance my education. Um, I didn't have a passion for anything in particular. um, And I chose the subject that I was best at in high school. So I was good at economics. um, And I declared economics as my major for the University of Guyana. Um, A year after I started that program at the University of Guyana, I got the opportunity to actually further my studies in the United States of America. Mm -hmm. 
So I moved to a different education system. Um, and uh, it was actually refreshing to know coming over to the United States that I didn't have to be locked in to a major. I, I actually met several students who you know, were walking around campus with an undeclared major. And I thought, what a novel idea. <laughs> they're, they're figuring it out as they go. And that, that's kind of neat because I felt like I didn't really have a passion for uh, any line of study, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was hooked up with an academic advisor in my, um, as I went through my undergrad studies. And uh, he introduced me to computer science and, and that field. I kind of felt computer science was a little bit too bits and bytes for me, too technical without that um, human interaction. You sat behind a computer and you wrote code to, to do things. And that was appealing. Actually, that was more appealing than economics to me, but that wasn't quite it. Um, that same academic advisor also said, okay, if this is your interest in computers, we have this degree where you have that human touch, you get to understand systems and business problems, and you get to connect technology solutions to solve business problems. And that piqued my interest okay. because that meant I had to now, okay, how am I gonna understand somebody's business problem? I have to talk to them. Um, I have to understand what the, the problem is. I have to then bring that knowledge back and do the technical stuff to solve those problems and then go interact with them and say, hey, does this work for you? Are we solving problems here? And that, that human interaction, that connection with doing something um, meaningful, solving a business problem, using the technology, that's the thing that um, where I felt like, okay, I've got a connection here. I, I am passionate about this. Um, and management information systems then became um, an area of study that I pursued. It's like, it's, I wonder if in high school, mm -hmm. it's like, I'm not sure they really, we really talked about careers much because I, I had, I had no idea what, when I started college as well, I know we, you know, I liked science. I like math and science. Yeah. But it's like, it's like we weren't necessarily exposed to careers. No. Because some, like somebody had to say, oh, Michelle, you're good at this. You want to try? And that's kind right. of right. interesting. I, I hope it's better now because I know, you know, I hope the, the, yes. the kids that are, are, are old high school that they're, um, they, they're getting right. better advice. Who knows? But right. It's you know, kind of I interesting. Can, I noticed that common that commonality between our yeah. experiences. Yeah. I think we were exposed to a lot, Michelle, in high school. I think we were exposed to the breath, right? We had the science that we were exposed to. We were exposed to the arts. As you know, coming up in high school, um, we had to learn two languages, French and Spanish, French right? And Spanish, coming, yeah. up, coming up through high school. We were exposed to it, but you're absolutely right honing in on that career and, and mm -hmm. um, those types of conversations, um, okay. I, I think um, hopefully is better now. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. So, you know, so what has your career trajectory been? So you were, mm -hmm. you ended up in, in um, 
management information systems in college. Yeah. So how did your career move from there? Right. I'm actually still in the line of um, business um, that my studies prepared me for. I'm in, still in that information technology field. Mm -hmm. um, when I left college in, oh gosh, 1991, um, I left and I started out as a developer, a programmer. Um, I believe my title at the time was programmer analyst. And I built software for um, a publishing company uh, back in 91. I used um, coding language that was hip at the time. And I did that for about three years. Um, technology, the, the technology field, as you may know, is one that's ever changing. Yeah. Um, there's always uh, leading edge technology that folks are chasing and in some areas or some aspects, bleeding edge technology that folks are changing. And back in 1991, 90, that era, um, you know, I, I did that development for three years and I too, had a hunger to chase that uh, leading edge technology at the time mm -hmm. and wanted to develop using, um, develop software using uh, newer technology. And so I left that first company I worked at, that first uh, publishing company, I believe it was called West Publishing Company, and moved into more of a consulting um, company. And I actually worked for one of our top 10 consulting companies um, back in the, the 90s. Mm -hmm. um, did more of a development, um, more development work there, um, but soon advanced uh, through, you know, getting various levels, um, increasing levels of responsibility. Um, I kind of shifted towards supervising teams of developers, um, shifted into training junior consultants, started interviewing new talent for uh, the consulting company. And I noticed that my career then was, because I was so good at a developer, but at least my managers thought I was, um, the career trajectory at the time was, okay, now you can be, you can be shifting into you know, these leadership roles I felt that was, a, that was a good nod to me, but I felt that that was kind of moving me a little uh, bit away from the technical aspects of my job. And I wanted to stay close to the technology. So I left that consulting company. I started my own in 1997, uh, McIntyre Consulting Group at the time it was mm -hmm. called. Um, and I did that for about four years where I actually um, you know, was one of the consultants on my staff and um, I went out to clients and built software for them. And I was able to stay close to the technology. I was able to do the thing I was passionate about, which was understanding business problems and then developing solutions to solve that, mm -hmm. um, those problems. I did that for about uh, four years. And then we had, and I think it was 2011 where we had, um, uh, the 911 September attack. Mm -hmm. uh, the economy changed a bit at that time. Uh, shortly after that, um, I was still doing consulting, but I decided to kind of move into um, a little more stable environment. 
Um, and so I, I left my consulting practice and um, took a full-time job uh, with a company in the energy industry where I managed, um, I was the application development manager or a portfolio manager, if you will, um, and just managed a portfolio of applications and teams that supported those applications. And this was the energy industry. So we built applications to um, uh, share or sell energy in a wholesale marketplace. Okay. Um, and so I did that for several years. Um, that company actually went through bankruptcy. Um, and I shifted, I stayed with that company, but I kind of shifted my focus and moved into away from actually hands-on keyboard developing systems. I moved into a project management role where I managed teams of folks building software. Okay, okay. Um, and so I kind of honed in on that project management skill sets. I actually thought that was a, a really nice niche for me because mm -hmm. as my husband says, I'm really good at telling people what to do. And, <laughs> <laughs> and it was the kind of the perfect, um, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, career where I, I get to influence um, forward progress on, you know, building out these systems by managing a, a team of folks to do so. Mm -hmm. um, I did project management for uh, several years. I've been in the energy industry since then, um, okay. since back in 2011, if you will. Um, managing, um, managing project teams and then I moved into a role where I was now managing project managers. I was standing up project management offices. Uh, at uh, my current company, I was asked actually um, to stand up a, a project management office. Um, and I did so successfully for one of the uh, lines of businesses within uh, the company that I'm with now. Mm -hmm. um, Another turn in my career, and this is the last one to kind of get me to where I'm at today. Mm -hmm. I'm out of the project management space. Uh, there was an opportunity that um, I was asked to fill in, um, going back to being a portfolio manager for a suite of applications within my current company. Okay. So now I'm, I'm kind of managing systems and folks developing those systems and supporting those systems um, in, in my current role. Okay. Kind of long-winded answer, but I've been, <laughs> I've been a technology professional for 25 years, so it's kind of hard to ch short change that answer um, with a, you know, sounds a like an, yeah, it sounds, sounds like a wonderful journey where you kind of figured out what you liked and kind of, and you were able to get into the kinds of positions that you like. So that's, that's wonderful. It's a great, great story. Did you run into hurdles along the way? What hurdles did you, if any, did you um, encounter? Um, and did you, how did you overcome them? Anything you want to share? Hurdles. There were. Um, I've I've had my fair share. Um, I, I don't know that any of them are really unique from, you know, what 
um, some folks under the sound of my voice may have encountered. Um, hurdles around, I, I think just trying to stay current in the technology industry, things are ever changing. Mm -hmm. And I, I felt pressure to, especially, uh, you know, owning a consulting company, I felt pressure to owning my space, right? People hire me for my expertise. And so I felt like I had to stay ahead of the changing technologies along the way. And mm -hmm. that's an exhausting um, concept and reality. Right. You constantly have to be in the mode of learning. Um, and and I, I love that. Um, but when the pace becomes, you know, to the point where you've got to balance that with, with your life, um, I see that, I saw that as a challenge that I, I had to, I had to navigate. Um, and throughout it all, I mean, I, at the top of, uh, of the call, I talked about, you know, a little bit about my family, um, having two young children coming up with all of that. I think that is, I don't want to say a hurdle, but that's a reality for a lot of women, um, mm -hmm. career women, having to balance that, um, that learning with, um, you know, raising children and managing a family and just navigating those aspects, I think, um, I would say, just to be brief, I would say that that was one of the, the challenges. Um, so no, no hurdles in terms of being a woman, a black woman, a woman of Caribbean descent, none of, you didn't really run into any of that. Um, it was there. I'm, I'm not going to lie, right? You just don't know the opportunities that you did not get. Right. Um, it, it's not open, right? No one ever came to me and said, you didn't get this opportunity because you're a Black woman or you're a woman that you, you're, you know, not um, born or raised here in America. But you wonder, being on the other end of the table where I sit on interview panels and, and I've got, you know, folks who don't look like me on the panel and some of the comments they're hearing, if I'm interviewing a candidate and it's a black woman and she comes across to me as being totally confident and on top of her game and she's got her ans answers that are nice and crisp and mm -hmm. she's a viable candidate in my mind. And then we huddle as a panel to talk about, okay, what did you see? What did you not see? And I'm hearing my colleagues to the left and right of me say, mm, she seems like she was very angry or she seems too aggressive or, you know, some of the labels that- um, The code, the code quite, language, yeah. Quite frankly, exactly. And, and I could have been one of those folks on the other end, um, being talked about that way. So, mm -hmm. you know, no, it wasn't in my face. Nobody told me you didn't get this job because of X, Y, Z, or you didn't get this client because of who you are and what you look like. But I have to believe that um, that has impacted the opportunities that I, I, I've been offered in the past. Yeah, yeah. So what's the, what's the demand for people in IT, people doing the work that you've done? What's that demand um, in the US as well as, you know, 
overseas. Right. Um, so this is not my, I don't speak from a place of, of um, I would say strong knowledge in this area because I'm you know, not a recruiter, mm-hmm. but I, I do know over the years being in this industry, we've always been in hiring mode, right? There's, there's always, like I mentioned before, there's always new technology. There are always different ways to solve problems, better ways, technology, tech, yeah, technology ways to solve problems. And we're always looking for folks with those technical skill sets. We're always looking for folks that can pair that technical skill sets with um, professional judgment and good communication skills and mm-hmm. you know, folks who can be articulate, folks who can share a vision. We're, we're always looking for those folks. I personally have never been over the 20, over 25 years that I've been um, working, I've never been out of a job. I've never been in a situation where I'm looking for work and nobody is hiring. So from those lens, I can say, um, you know, the industry is strong. Um, folks are always looking for talented individuals to do technology mm-hmm. work in the United States as well as abroad, because we still have in my current, my current job, we still have offshore resources mm-hmm. that we leverage to augment our staff. And you know, I know several companies are um, engaged in that practice as well. Right, right. But I, I have to say it, it um, continues to be strong. Um, you know, we were hiring during the pandemic. Wow. During 2020, we were hiring because um, we were, um, we were working. I, I think in our industry, and I have neighbors who work in, in different industries, and I believe in March of 2020, a few of them lost their jobs. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, based on technology, I was able to, and fortunate to continue working remotely, but I was able to continue working. So it's, it's almost like a, it's, it's a pandemic proof kind of career. Yeah. yeah, part of this is really, I want to inspire young people to mm-hmm. pursue careers in STEM. Yeah. So uh, I guess what do you have any, um, how can we inspire more young people, especially yeah. young people who look like us to, right. um, to really, you know, get connected and, and um, pursue STEM careers? We got to reach them early. Mm-hmm. You, know, you and I talked about this at the beginning of this call. Um, who were our influencers when we were trying to think through what we were going to be when we grew up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think we have to, to reach the young folks early. We have to reach the young ladies early. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to let them know that... Um, there, this career is for them. Um, there is nothing in their makeup that would prevent them from being successful in, in this career. Uh, it may seem like a simple message or a simple thing, mm-hmm. 
but in areas where folks are just not exposed to this reality, they just don't know. Mm -hmm. So I think we have to reach folks early while they're impressionable, while they can make moves to prepare themselves to be in this, this industry. Mm -hmm. um, I just think we have to, to reach out and you know, message them, wrap our arms around them and, and just share our stories. And right. I, I really do think um, that knowledge, that awareness will help inspire folks. And that modeling to see that, you know, just seeing, I believe kids need to see what they can be. So just letting them see, yes. you know, this is someone in IT and she looks like you, you know, yes. you can do it too, kind of, you know, simple Absolutely. as that. Absolutely. Um, so what set, what, what excites you? Um, what, what sets your soul on fire? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to take that question. So what um, irritates me to no end, I will start with that, mm -hmm. are injustices. Mm -hmm. What I see, um, injustices in our society, inequality in our society, um, it irritates me to no end. I understand at times the motivation for it, but it's never, I can, I, I haven't gotten to a place where it's justifiable in any way, shape or form. Um, so that irritates me. Um, what sets my soul on fire, I believe was the question. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, you could be on fire being absolutely annoyed. You could be on fire <laughs> being absolutely joyful, right? So yeah. the other end of that spectrum, what makes my soul sing? Um, I like seeing our younger generation flourish mm -hmm. and blossom and make their way, find their way into society, into being uh, functioning, productive members of society, making waves and making a difference. Seeing our young people do that, mm -hmm. I, I just, um, I'm waterworks at times when, when I go <laughs> to some of these um, STEM conferences and I, um, look at young women and especially with young women, I just have a passion for, mm -hmm. for, for that generation and, and that group. Um, when I see them develop and make waves and do things and things that are, you know, I, I look, I'm like smarter than I would have ever thought of doing. <laughs> I really, really like, um, that, that makes me happy when I see that. Good, good. And, and what gives you hope? So as you, as you kind of, um, you, you see these young people yeah. making moves that you probably wouldn't, would be, would have been hesitant to make when you were their age. And so what gives you hope? That's a, that's a very interesting question. It's a very good question. And there are a lot of things that give me hope. Um, I am a woman of faith. And so my faith in God gives me hope. Mm -hmm. Um, it gives me hope that every morning I wake up, God is going to grant new mercies towards me. Um, it gives me hope that, you know, mistakes I make, God is going to show me grace. 
that's a good place to be. It's a, it's a it's a good it's a good place for me to be. Um, mm -hmm. I, I talked earlier with you about um, you know the younger generation and seeing them flourish. My kids give me hope. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> to see them make choices, life choices that um, are positive choices, it gives me hope that they too will one day flourish and and. Right lead the way and, and help others. Um, the vaccine. I know. That one day we can, you know, walk amongst uh, ourselves and travel yeah. and hug our relatives and mm -hmm. go to big weddings and and go to all concerts and, and all that yes. again. Yeah. All the fun stuff that we um, <laughs> enjoy before March of 2020. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there are several things that, that, that um, give me hope, but that's uh, just a few. All righty then. It's been nice chatting with you. So, you know, thank you for taking time out to help yeah. me to inspire um you know, young people, people who may be out there, uh, not sure um, of where to turn in terms of a career. Right. You're a great example of someone who has longevity in, in STEM. So um, I salute you and salute your success. And, um, you know, I'm glad that I can still reach out to yeah. people I've known since I was uh, 10 or whatever. <laughs> Uh, absolutely it, it is nice to connect this way um absolutely enjoyed sharing my story um and thanks for the opportunity thanks for thinking of me michelle um thanks for giving me this forum to share all righty thank you so much and um have a great evening you're welcome and same to you, you have a okay great take care we'll all be right. in touch Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh -huh. Bye-bye.